I've been thinking a lot about how objects are separate from us and there's this charge that goes into it. It's this like expression of time or emotion or idea that is not the artist and is not the audience. It like exists in this third space that is open for interpretation. And I love the tarot as one of those types of things. It creates a dialogue and holds it. Hello and welcome to Your Magic. I'm Michelle T. And today I'm spending time with the incredible Kimberly Drew, co-editor of the phenomenal Black Futures Anthology and author of the deceptively pocket-sized This Is What I Know About Art, a sort of way-seeking mind talk about her path to becoming an advocate for Black artists and her work making art spaces accessible and welcoming to Black audiences. We're going to talk about domestic spaces, to hermit or not to hermit, and being a Leo. After that, we go to poet Thea Matthews, author of the beautiful collection Unearth the Flowers, which invokes the magic of flowers to aid emotional and cultural healing. She's going to share with us a morning ritual to reflect on our past and set intentions into our future. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When I quit drinking almost 20 years ago, I was sort of a mess. I'd removed my biggest coping mechanism for stress and trauma, which was also the portal through which I accessed my creativity. And it was also medicine for my low-key social anxiety. It was my go-to method of bonding with other humans, especially humans I was hoping to have sex with. On top of all of this, it had insidiously become a big part of my identity. Removing foundational alcohol made the house of cards that was my ego and personality come crashing down. And there was a physical effect as well. As my body detoxed literally decades of booze, I'd get struck with sudden fatigue or a dizzy spell. I'd crave ice cream or pastries, anything that oozed caramel. But sugar wasn't all I found myself craving. I had used the altered state of consciousness that drunkenness provided as a stand-in for spiritual experience. In the wake of my alcoholic reckoning, I was craving transcendence. And I found it most unexpectedly in a painting hung on the wall at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. The painting is by Mark Rothko. It's titled Number 14, 1960. It's a rectangular cloud of orange, fuzzy at the edges, but with a throbbing density in the center. It hovers over a smaller, more modest rectangle of blue, its royal hue almost made invisible by the command of that color above it. As soon as I registered this work, I began moving toward it as if a finger snap had recalled in me a pre-hypnotic suggestion. I was moving toward it as if I could enter it. It seemed to be asking me to. That orange, it was a supernatural portal, the static television from Poltergeist. It wanted to gobble me, and I wanted to be eaten. I stood before it and let the vibrations overtake me. There was something about the darkness it emerged from, something too about that seemingly useless little bar of blue. It was integral, I understood, even as the dominant orange played upon my rods and cones, tripping neurological wires that shot messages of light to the back of my brain. I felt like a chemistry set or an animal. I was enthralled. 
This psychedelic emotionality veered from the awe of revelation to a cozy understanding of oneness with my own life, and then that unique life's placement in a cosmic whole. I felt all my sadness and all my joy banging around in my insides, and tears sprang to my eyes. What the fuck was this piece of art doing to me? I sat on a bench that the museum had very thoughtfully placed before it. The museum knew, as I had not, Mark Rothko's intention to emotionally overwhelm the viewer. I read the plaque on the wall. It said, Rothko used color and light to express inner perception and engage the viewer's unconscious responses, creating work that is spiritual and emotional. He wanted his larger paintings to envelop and overwhelm with sensuous colors that would act as a doorway into another transcendent reality. Whoa. Because the experience felt so holy, had left me feeling touched, it was easy to slide into the notion that my ability to be so moved by a piece of art was some sort of proof of how special I was. But I wasn't special. Mark Rothko was special. The Rothko Chapel, an interfaith sanctuary that he made a year before his suicide, is so likely to provoke extreme emotional experiences from viewers that the chapel employs counselors to aid those whose overwhelm renders them briefly non-functional. In the Toth tarot deck, the art card of the Major Arcana speaks of alchemy, and Rothko's work with color rises to this notion of science and magic coalescing to create something mythical and new. It took some base materials, like my physical depletion as a result of alcohol abuse, and my spiritual yearning unleashed by the detox, and it combined them with the intentional use of color and created within me the Philosopher's Stone, pure gold, a deeply felt, radiant experience. I know art doesn't always move us in such a physical manner, though it often does. But even when its effect upon us is more subtle, it's always there, working its magic on our psyche, winding into our unconscious, the places where intuition and sorcery reside, altering us in some numinous way, bringing us a little bit closer to both our collective humanity and individual divinity. Here's Kimberly Drew. Kimberly Drew, I'm really excited that you are here on Your Magic. Thank you for being with us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Have you had your tarot cards read before? In life, you must have. I have. Yeah, you're a worldly woman. Okay, cool. No, I love it. Do you have like a deck of your own or anything? I do, but I like, I don't know if the superstition is that you're supposed to be gifted cards. So I have a pair that I bought and I do not touch, but like have a deck of Miss Cleo. Like, remember the like, Call me now for your free reading, like infomercial. I have this Cleo deck um, that I just couldn't leave where I found, but I don't have, I have yet to be gifted my own set. Listen up, world. Kimberly Drew has yet to be gifted with her own set of tarot cards. You know, I like that. I like that superstition in that it encourages like gift giving, which is really sweet and cute. And I don't like it because it inhibits tarot acquisition, you know, and honestly, most superstitions about tarot are just like a load of bunk. I just say like, if they're fun for you, adopt them in your life. And mm-hmm. if they are actually like preventing you from, you know, exploring, then they're probably, they're probably no good. But I love, I've heard about the Miss Cleo deck and I love that you're talking about her because I'm at the moment working on it, um, creating a deck, I'm creating a queer deck and Miss Cleo was a lesbian, which I didn't 
freaking know. I see by your face you didn't either. The woman who I portrayed. Didn't know. I know the woman who portrayed lesbians everywhere. <laughs> lesbians everywhere. Even Miss Cleo was a lesbian. Yeah. I'm just like, is Miss Cleo the high priestess for this queer tarot deck? And I'm like, but she was like a fake psychic, but like a real icon. So it's like really hard. I'm like really, I'm really torn. I'm really torn because I can imagine yeah. an amazing image of her with like phones and tarot cards all around her. You know, or also um. I'm like forgetting this person's name now, um, which shows you like my cultural like breaks. But there is this person I feel like named Walter. Walter Bracado. Yes. Like that would be a super dope high priestess card. Thank you for just creating my freaking tarot deck for me, Kimberly Drew. That was amazing. Yeah. Walter Mercado is absolutely a high. Wow. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, cool. Well, what what would you like to know about? I have been thinking a lot about domestic spaces and not just in like the literal sense of where to live, but spaces for quiet has been something that I've been meditating a lot on and would love any guidance or information about how I should be constructing those spaces. Um, if my therapist were here, she would talk about um, how we're we're building the spaces that allow us to see ourselves. And so that's that's where I'm at. This is some real hermit card energy. The hermit, you know, is all about crawling, going and finding the cave on the mountain that you go sit in by yourself. And it is to it is like um, so that you can get more in touch with what your real truth is and what your real essence is, apart from the clamor of the of, of society that's always influencing us and always like taking up space. But it's that like Virgo sort of idea of purity. It's like just like a purity of essence. Like, who are you really? What are you what do you really want? What are you really thinking about? You know, shut the world out and be silent and just like find your own little, little inner light like the hermit's always carrying a lantern. Um, what sign are you? Uh, I was like, we want to guess. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of want to. Are you a Sagittarius? No, but I love that. Very close. <laughs> okay. Capricorn? Leo. Oh, I'm like, Capricorn's yeah. geographically close, but Leo is yeah. energetically close. Oh, gosh, yeah. you're such, you are a Leo. You've mm -hmm. immersed yourself in art. Your whole world is art. You have incredible hair. You're Leo. What's your other stuff? Pisces rising. And so even more on the, like, creativity, yep. feeling, connecting. And then Taurus moon, which is like, I want all that, but the nicest version of all of that stuff. <laughs> I like more Taurus and Capricorn than anything else. I have one Leo placement, but I like radiate Leo energy, which is hilarious. And Cancer Venus, which is also like, I want to share 
this not as instruction, but as possibility. Okay, so you clearly have such a strong handle on your astrology. Do you have an astrologer that you go to? I don't. I don't. (gasps) Wow, you're just, you're good at it. Just even just your own self-knowledge with it is really smart. Yeah, just curious. And then have been a very happy patron of of Chani, of course, whom we all worship uh, for years. Yes, we all worship Chani. Okay, I have a. I was going to pick for you about your silence, uh, your need for silence. I was go. I was going to pick from the just a, a basic tarot deck, the top deck that I use, but it's not going to give me the information I want. But there is a deck that will. So there's this oracle deck I use for things like this. That's sort of like when you're like, what's my What's my process? What should I be looking for for things that are sometimes the tarot is a little rough. Like you just get a bunch of swords and you get these, you know, really archaic imagery. And I don't know, this is this is a really great Oracle deck. It's called Vessel. So your your question is basically you're needing to carve out spaces for silence. And you called them domestic spaces, but it's not necessarily about a home per se. It could be other spaces. So I'm going to ask this Oracle deck, what are the guiding energies? What are the energies you should be paying attention to? Positive and negative influences that are sort of guiding you towards these spaces and this idea of silence and retreat, it seems like. Like security, stability. I've been having so many conversations about like, the parts of ourselves that we reserve for ourselves that are outside of projections on us. How do we, you know, angle around like, okay, this is the fortress and then all these other things can happen. And I think also like at this phase of the pandemic too, so many of us are, okay, do I hermit or not? And what, what version of myself am I coming into and how, how do I think about sharing that? These are really deep questions. Have you found that the pandemic has made you more or less of an extrovert? Uh, it's been a wild ride. I am pretty confident that I'm an extrovert in the most like essential sense. Uh, I need other people to keep my energy going. Like I think oftentimes people think about introversion or extroversion as this like desire to be around others, which isn't necessarily where I am, but I see it more of like an energetic exchange. Like introverts are overwhelmed by the energies of others. Extroverts are informed and enlightened by the energy of others. Uh, and so for me, whether that's physical space or just touch more touch points, I'm very like classically extroverted. So, um, so I've picked some cards here for you about like what... It's it's really interesting what what's come up. Um, and then I did end up picking some some actual tarot cards too, just to get a richer vibe, especially uh, richer information. Especially since you're talking about a sort of almost in a practical external way, like what do I you know how do I look for silence? Um, and then you're also like, who's this person I'm becoming post pandemic? Like you know, as we as the pandemic shifts and I shift, like so I I kind of wanted I was like oh I feel like the tarot can bring out some cards for that, but for the energy sort of informing and asking to be looked at as you pursue silence. The first one is make. This card is called make. And it's just like all these hands almost making like a tree. I don't know. Maybe I just got Christmas tree on the brain because I got a big one downstairs. But but it does. It's giving a very Christmas tree like energy. Yeah, there's some red stars and there's like energy shooting off at the top. The way I'm thinking about that is like, you know, obviously this is something that you have to make. 
This is this is yours to actually hands on create. Like there's no there's not necessarily a template for it. Um, either it may be in our culture, in your life, like it's really something that you're, even though there's of course traditions of silence, you know, um, everywhere, but it's like for, you know, this is very specifically for you and your place and time. And what is it going to look like for you? And I also think that it's saying like, I mean, you're, you are a creator and it's like, this is important for you to be able to continue to make, you know, to continue, you need to make this space for non-action so that you can then make. And also you got this really lovely card, which is called light. That's just a bunch of lights, a little bunch of stars, shining stars. And again, it's making me think of that hermit, you know, the hermit in the traditional tarot is carrying a lantern. It's all about finding your inner light and just like allowing your, your inner light to guide you. My guess is you probably already have some ideas about how to do this, you know, um, some, some sort of, um, intu intuitive, hunches or um some places places that are calling you there's something kind of north starry about it you know like following you know following your star and again just like this is so that you can get in touch with your own light you know with your own inner light and shine brighter um and then this is a very interesting card you got at the very end you got the childhood card so the, I'm wondering about, th there's a lot of different um, ways to read this and interpret this in a question like this. The first is I'm wondering, is there anything about silence and quiet spaces of aloneness that you remember from childhood, places where you got to be alone as a child and it was, you know, in a self-nurturing way? There's also, I mean, this card does also represent a little bit the inner child. So it's sort of like, is that is that also the part of you that needs this space, like away from sort of adulting, away from grown up preoccupations, away from, you know, the way that adult life, especially when you're in a creative field, which is always at least a little bit freelancey, you know, you're, you're kind of always, it's a grind, it's a hustle. And it's like, can you take your little child away from that, where it's almost play, it's almost like wanting, it's a counter to this more, um, aesthetic hermetic hermit idea where it's like this little kid playing by itself, you know, in a patch of grass someplace or just like connecting with, with itself. And then I was just like, what is the larger need for this that's happening internally for you where you're like, you know, who am I on the, on, on this side at this stage of the pandemic, everything we've been through as a culture, everything you've been through individually. The very first card you have here is this great science card. It's the six of swords. It's really, it's a super smart card. It's about, you know, the swords, the suit of swords in the tarot is often how we're our own worst enemy. We use our powers of mind to sort of worst case scenario, to worry, to tear ourselves down. This is about using the powers of mind to, you know, be rational and to be self-protective in a way that's really great. I mean, this, the illustration, the weird lines and geometry that are in the back of this card, it's actually a fencer's map showing where a fencer can stand and be invulnerable. So it's about like using our mental skills to map out a terrain where we can be safe. Right. In a way. And in the in the in the Rider Waite and the, those tarot cards, it's always shows uh, like a family in a boat that's moving away. It's moving away from like rough seas to calmer seas. So it's about like, how can we strategize an easier life for ourselves, you know, where we can just be safe and have what we want and know we're living our smartest life. So this is great. It's Mercury and Aquarius. So it's often about having to think in ways that are Aquarian, which is radical outside the box, like just like weird, you know, like a weird, a weird way to think about something. I mean, you know, and, and I think this ties into like your need for solitude and like a kind of a radical solitude. And what does that look like? I think it's part of this card. And then you have the princess of swords. She is 
the rabble rouser of this of the tarot deck. She is just like, you know, the story behind this card is, you know, that that kind of structure behind her is a temple. The temple is is like bad. The temple is just like not doing things correctly. It's it's corrupt. And she could ask to like speak to the manager and she's not going to do that. It's not her way. She's going to just destroy the temple. She's just tearing it down. She's like, it's beyond salvation. You know, we need to start over again with a whole new temple. So this is this like warrior energy. It's like this and it's righteous warrior energy. And again, it's it's that mental air sign stuff of this. And so it's like, you know, so, so much of the work that you do in the world is about like tearing down old corrupt structures. And like that is a tremendous amount of energy. So all the more need for this like silent space where it's like, you know, where you can just like reconnect with child you, <laughs> a more innocent way of looking at the world where you're just kind of like, oh, shit, before you hit the oh, shit, it's, this all needs to change. And it, at least some part of that is on my shoulders. I've got to actually do that work, you know, but where you can just be like, take a breath and play all the more need for that because you you have this princess of swords element to your personality that's really important. It's so like, again, just having, you know, read through your book and like how your th your story so much is about refining like where your heart really lies and like who you really, what art, what artists art audiences and art institutions, you really have your heart that you really want to dedicate your work to, how it's like a refinement. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, there's something about her where it's like, we have these large art institutions that are really white and they're really moneyed and they're they're just so, in, they're such a symbol of this like class that, you know, people are taught to believe they should aspire to. And it's like, she's the opposite. She's not aspiring to that. She's not aspiring. She's aspiring to something that is so much more important and deeper. And it's about access. It's not about um, capitalism, really. She's tearing, she's tearing, you know, the, mm -hmm. the temple down. And then your final, your final card here is the 10 of cups, which is satiety. And this is an interesting card because in a lot of decks, the 10 of cups is like full circle. It's beautiful and you can like rest. And there's an element of rest in it, which I think that your need for silence is also on some level a need for rest. But the satiety in this, the read here is that like water should always be in motion. Water can't be at rest for too long because it yeah. becomes stagnant. And so in this card, it's like you've gotten everything you've wanted. You've hit the 10. So you've completed the cycle. Huzzah. Um, but then also it's time to turn those cups upside down and bring in the ace with new fresh water and a whole new, a whole new thing. So I would, I would say that like this idea of like, you know, needing, needing retreat space for yourself. It's like, okay, I have like been your centerpiece card here with the princess. I've been a warrior. I've been out there advocating for myself and others. I've been tearing down structures that, that shouldn't exist anymore. Um, and it's like now, you know, how can I do all of that more smartly? So that I can, you know, check in with myself and just like maybe a way that was smart for me five years ago isn't smart for me anymore. Like, how do I just like reconsider where I'm at, what I need and like put together structures that are really self-supporting so that I can kind of keep inspiring myself and not keep, not keep doing the same thing, you know? And like, she's not really going to let you keep doing the same thing. This Princess of Swords energy, she's always on to, she wants to conquer the next thing. You know, she's always on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's this idea of just sort of like, okay, you, you do need to take a breath and like recognize where you've come from and what you've accomplished so that you can then knock it all down and kind of start over again. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's, it's very funny. I had dinner with another Leo last night and we were talking about what happens when we get bored. It's just like, 
the uh what's that the adage it's like devil's idols hands workshop like something like that like the devil makes work for idle hands yes and, and it's very funny because it's like yes there is this way that i think you know i've been very fortunate and i and i say this often not necessarily to be very successful but to have found a space to thrive in a space that i really want to invest in and from that have found opportunity and i've had incredible mentorship um, and have been very well cared for to be able to ascend in the ways that I have. And also, what does it mean to then have this moment that all of us were forced into of uh, reconciling who we are and how we want to be in the world? Because I think no matter whether you are you know, in the workforce every day or having to commune uh, you know, in, in spaces that feel risky, the questions that we're asking of ourselves in this pandemic context are unique. They just simply are. Uh, when the ways that we breathe and move, there is an inherent violence and potential for danger. Uh, we're losing, you know, incredible thinkers left and right. There are just these broader questions, and and what do we do with those things? I think is something that we all kind of share in a way. But I love even like the Ten of Cups feels really resonant because I have been having like these minor existential crises where friends are like, "You gotta chill," but I'm like, "No, I just feel like on the precipice of something different." And if I don't figure out what those things are, it's, I can feel it starting to hurt because it like manifests like that. That is exactly that layout of cards. Like I feel I'm on the precipice of something different and I need to figure it out or else it's going to hurt. That is the name of those three cards together. Like that princess of swords, she's always pushing you to something different, right? The, the six of swords, I have to figure it out. I have to figure it out in a smart way to protect myself. And then, yeah, that, that like that satiety card, that 10 of cups of like, yeah, you can't, you can't live here. You can't live here. We're sorry. (laughs) You must move on. You must move on, you know, and you know, thankfully you have a chart that wants that for you, even though you also have those elements that also want you to cozy up somewhere too. So that, that must be a little hard, but it seems like that you're, you're just like your beating Leo heart will just always be kind of like pushing you out into the next thing that satisfies your your own personal need for inspiration that keeps you going. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I was like scrolling over here, my, my, my Mercury is in Virgo, which I feel is really, um, a lot of who I am. And I don't know why I didn't think of that when you asked me, but, um, yeah, you have all the earth signs. You have all the earth signs. So you've got this chart that just gives you this amazing like ability to manifest in the world, like to to be able to like to make a living, to make money, to gain a claim, all the things that the, the suit of earth sort of offers us. And then it's through Leo. It's through this charismatic, loving, creative energy. Right. And then the Pisces, which is just sort of, again, like your ability to I'm guessing get really get lost in art, you know, and have like, have you had spiritual experiences with artworks? You know, it's interesting. I have and I haven't. But there was a point where I found myself uh, not necessarily numb, but I was seeing so many things that I didn't feel as much anymore. And I was thankful for that because it meant that my appetite, you know, I was at full. But then also when I would see things that I really loved, I was you know, you're just like, oh my God, I, I, I feel so strongly. Like one of my uh, favorite artists is Anne Hamilton, the sound artist and seeing, um, this piece of hers called 40 part quartet, like is one of my favorite works because you, you step into this room, there's 40 speakers, all these singers are singing at different octaves and it is, it's just impossible not to feel the energetic eruptions from the room, the way that it's, it's, 
design. Like there's just so many different like sensory aspects to it, even though it is a sound piece. But yeah, there's there's definitely things that that stick out. But yeah, it's from this point where it's like I see a lot of it. And I'm I'm curious for you too, especially like uh even thinking about different decks and and how to commune with others, like where I guess not necessarily the freshness, but like how do you maintain that relationship or what does it look like to keep from having like your water be stale or something? That is a really great question because it's true. I I have found that working with the same deck, you know, I've been, I'm 50. I've been reading since I was 15. So it's like, sometimes I'll get really, I'll realize I'm stuck in one little aspect of a card because especially, you know, reading with a card like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the Toth deck, it's so chock full of different sort of occult imagery and symbolism. You could kind of study one card forever. And I'll just sort of really hone in on one essence to the detriment of the, the, the kind of the holisticness of the card. So I kind of constantly, you know, even a car, even a deck like the Toth deck that I can read without you know, the guidebook, I'll, I will um, still study those books on my own, just to kind of always remind myself that there's more to it. And then it's so fun that we're having this tarot card renaissance where so many people are innovating the tarot and, um, you know, putting their own stamp in there, putting their own take on the images and the meanings, it ends up like they inform each other, you know, so even though I sort of try to stick, like I'm reading with the Toth deck. So if you know, if you've got the seven of cups in the Toth deck, you're going to get you know, Crowley's interpretation that is becoming eroded a little bit, even though that's my intention, because I can't help but be influenced by all these other voices that are like seven of cups is also a little like this. Well, it's also a little like that. And I don't know. I like that. That's what makes the the tarot. I feel like a living, breathing piece of art that's like constantly it's alive. I I think a lot about how, you know, objects are separate from us and there's this charge that goes into it, whether it's something that like, it's, it's this like expression of time or emotion or idea that is not the artist and is not the audience. It like exists in this third space that is open for interpretation. And I love the tarot as, as one of those types of things where it's like, there is this way that you can describe these things and they can float in the ether, but how it lands is so unique to each individual interaction. And I kind of I'm obsessed with those opportunities co- to commune and interpret that way. Um, I love any kind of object that like creates a dialogue and holds it because it's not either of the humans that are interacting with. It. Yes, it's, it is totally that. It's like this really amazing bridge. I guess maybe there's a way that all art has a little bit of that task to stimulate our intuition. If you think about like, you know, ideally you want it to penetrate down into some sort of deeper region of the way we think and feel and where those thoughts and feelings meet up. But um, yeah, I like that. My work on Mercury is like, give me data. <laughs> I want so much data, so much data. And I want to arrange it. And I want it to all go in the places that it needs to go into. And then all the other like touchy feely points in my chart, I feel like are like, and that's what makes you and you and you beautiful. So the daily practice that I have for introspection, sake of solitude, right? Like of being with oneself, is that every day upon awakening, old brick and mortar style, if you will, where it's a journal, right? Paper and pen. Then reflect, where I look and review the previous day in the sense of like, what were the best memories? You know, Um, the best memories of that day. Through getting like flowing real down and writing out like these, like best memories and it's not like oh firecrackers and what have you you know it could be something that's so subtle but it's like ah what did I essentially bear witness to 
And then from there, like going from memory, it's like, okay, what are the ways in which I connect with myself, with the world? And I just write that down, at least three. And that can be showing up to my craft, connect in the sense of showing up to just the practice of writing. Who did I talk to, right? Or ways that I was able to just be immersed in the moment. And the next is the three ways to contribute. Any actions that I took that were not in the strict tight grip of my desires, right? Of my wants, of, you know, what's in it for me, right? So this category of contribution is where I get to step out, right? So this is like me, pen, paper, by myself, right? But writing this out. And then next is like the three ways to create. It can just be also as simple as like, oh, I played with makeup today too. You know, even though I might be alone, I'm still like having a conversation with a poet's work, with who preceded me, right? Like, and then I go into the gratitude list, right? Where it's a departure from isolation, departure from loneliness. I mean, I could still even feel lonely, but still it's like, there's a sense of ground, firm ground that I'm standing on when I'm engaging in this practice. And then when I go into, like today, I'm grateful for, like, what am I grateful for? So much, right? Like my body, my breath, access to Wi-Fi, electricity, uh, access to clean running water. The gratitude is a definite, like, it's a profound act of humility where I acknowledge my privilege, right? Where I get to give thanks um, to what is given to me. And then also what I get to give and the people that I get to come across and the animals that I get to see. And then we get into affirmations. And affirmations is a strong, powerful practice. And so I do this daily and I don't care about redundancy. If sometimes if an affirmation keeps repeating, then okay, it needs to be repeated. Like, okay, I'm still doing the work with it. Again, sticking to the number three. So at least three affirmations to have. You know, for instance, it's like one of my affirmations was, I have the right to be safe. I have the right to be at peace. I have the right to be happy. And then we get into three joys, at least, right? So what are three joys? And so, you know, the whole premise of what I'm describing is mostly a reflection of the day prior. But this can all be for the day ahead too. But joy can be like, oh wow, I got to have a solo dance party and like blasted prints in my room. For me, historically, joy was scary. It was fleeting. And then when I, you know, really became a workaholic in some sense, joy, again, is not like ecstasy or bliss. You know, that's another thing too, I thought, right? It's like, well, joy is blacking out. <laughs> and it's like, no, not anymore. Last, but certainly not least, are what are three attributes that I intend to practice? And this is always looking ahead, not kind of like a reflection of the day prior. But what are three attributes to practice today, right? So it's like humility is big for me, right? Honesty or humor, you know, an attribute would be acceptance, you know, and even just writing it down, it's like that act of humility, it's that act of willingness, right? Of like, am I ready to act? That is my daily practice and part, right? Of what I do alone, like, that really grounds me and allows me to be entirely present, be entirely here. Not like 50% or 40%, but like be 
110, here we go. Like a hundred, like a full 100% present. Thank you, Thea Matthews, for sharing that beautiful personal practice with us. So much wisdom and humor and so accessible. I feel inspired. I bet you do too. And if you want to feel even more inspired, check out Thea's poetry collection, Unearth the Flowers. At the end of this episode, I'm feeling very grateful for art, which feels so akin to magic and that it's something that lives inside us to varying degrees, something that moves through us, that can connect us to the divine and to one another. Seek some out today at a community art space or gallery, at a museum or online, maybe in your own home, taking a deeper look at what you have on your walls or what moves through your own creative hands. Check out the Black Futures Anthology, edited by Kimberly Drew and Jenna Wortham. Art is a ritual we can all participate in. Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Is Your Magic. You can rate us and subscribe right here on Spotify. Do what you have to to never miss an episode. Email us at hello at thisisyourmagic.com. We'd love to hear from you. And you can support us, plus get access to a whole bunch of bonus content at patreon.com backslash thisisyourmagic. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Vera Blossom. We got production support from Angelica Chrysostomo. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Thanks for listening. 